A storied CFL franchise. Raleigh, he's going to keep it. He hits the five. Hey, Edmonton, that's your quarterback. Mike Riley to the end zone. Touchdown, Eskimo. With a loyal and passionate following. We finally can say we're champions. Bring it back to the seat of champions. This is the show that brings you the stories and personalities of the green and gold. Yeah. This is the Eskimo Show. Now your host, Morley Scott on Eskimos Radio. 630 Chad. Playoff time. Let's light this rocket. The Eskimos and Ticats are underway in Hamilton. And the kickoff is uh, brought up, up across the 40. Uh, kicking into the wind, Grant Shaw uh, doesn't get it deep, but he gets it deep enough from the 10. All sorts of motion. Riley will give the ball to White. He's got a bit of a hole. Spins his way to the goal line. Touchdown, Eskimos. John White takes the first pie out of the oven. And the Eskimos have the lead in the Eastern semifinal. Ball is down. Kick is up. And with the win, he puts through. Ticats are on the board. It's a 7-3 lead now for the Eskimos. First and 10 for the Eskimos from the 19-yard line. Four receivers to the right side. But John White's getting the ball. He'll get across the 15. Can he get to the end zone again? Yes. Touchdown, Eskimos. John White's got a pair. There's the snap. It's blocked. It's blocked. The Eskimos recover it, but it'll be Hamilton football, and they'll take over at the 27-yard line. It comes from the 17-yard line for Sean White, his first attempt of the football game. He's got a couple of converts. Kick is up, and it is through, and the Eskimos increase the lead to 18-3. There's the give there. They push it towards the goal line, and the Ticats have their first touchdown of the football game. C.J. Gable takes it into the end zone, and the Ticats' offense has produced. Sean White delivers, and it's a low ball, but it's over the bar and through as uh, Sean White is now 2-for-2 in the game. Here comes the field goal attempt from the 24 for Brett Maher. Up and through. So he gets the Ticats into double digits after hitting that one. Extra men on the line for the Eskimos. This time, Riley's going to run with it himself. He'll take it to the right side. Oh, puts his head down. Takes a big hit as he goes across midfield to about the 52-yard line. That'll be good for a first down and maybe a headache. Uh Uh-oh. Riley's holding his left wrist. He takes a knee now and goes to the ground. And uh, Mike Raleigh, that was a tremendous hit. Snap for the punt for Maher. And it bounces. And did the Ticats recover it? They did. They did. Flags fly all over the place. That ball was wobbly in the air up in the wind. And the Ticats, I believe, had a man onside in Jermaine Robinson. The Ticats approach the line. It is from the two-yard line, second and goal. Masoli stays in at quarterback. Motioning to the receivers to come back towards the line of scrimmage. Masoli turns, takes off to the right side. He's going to try and get in himself, and he does. Touchdown, Ticats. Three receivers to the right side, two to the left for Zach Kolaris, who waits for the football. Takes the drop back to his own goal line. He'll unload. It's intercepted. Eskimo football. The Eskimos pick it off, and they've got the ball at the 20-yard line. Kenny Ladler with the pick, and the Eskimos' offense is coming onto the field with a minute and 25 seconds left. And the field goal attempt is going to come from the nine-yard line. He had one earlier this year from the 10. Sean White to send the Eskimos to Ottawa for the Eastern Final. It's not a walk-off, but there's 10 seconds to go. Snap is down. Ball is up. 
and it's through. Sean White continues to nail field goal after field goal. He's given the Eskimos a three-point lead with seven seconds to go. James Franklin takes an E. Ball game is over, and the Eskimos' quest to be the beast of the East continues. They win the Eastern semifinal game in Hamilton by a score of 24-21. They're going to Ottawa. Indeed, going to Ottawa for the Eastern final. That game will be on Sunday. Sunday from Ottawa, right here on 6.30. Ched, 11 o'clock for the kickoff. 9.30 for the Challenge Insurance Group pregame show with myself, Dave Campbell, uh, and Blake Dermott uh, involved as well. We're going to hear from Blake a little bit later on in the program tonight. We're also going to check in with uh, Justin Sorensen, Eskimos offensive lineman. Just find out a little bit about uh, opening up some holes for John White, why he thinks John White is playing so well for the last month and he'll also take us inside the film room and we'll find out what he's studying about the Ottawa Red Blacks as uh, they get set to go to Ottawa. We'll also uh, hear from Don Landry from CFL.ca. We'll talk to him about yesterday's games. Both of them so entertaining, so good. Great day uh, to be on the couch watching uh, the CFL yesterday for sure. Uh, First off though to the story of the day around the Eskimos. It's quarterback Mike Riley. Got hurt late in the fourth quarter. Left the field holding his left wrist. Uh, Some people say an arm injury. Some people say a shoulder injury. Afterwards, Mike Riley did indeed go to the podium to talk with the media. He didn't say what the injury was, but he didn't sound at all like he was too concerned about not being able to play Sunday in Ottawa. Feels good. It feels good. Um, Obviously, I took a pretty good hit in the game and you know, we went back into the locker room to check it out, but, uh, you know, getting back out on the sidelines, I felt good throwing the football. Um, let them know that I was available if they needed me to go back in. Um, you know, we put that last drive together, and James was doing just fine. So at that point in time, it was it was okay to just stay on the sideline, let the game finish out. <clears throat> but it felt good when I was thrown over there. So, so no doubt in your mind that will play I don't have any doubt, no. Right, what can you say about White's performance? Uh, he was phenomenal. You know, he did exactly what we needed him to do. Um, I've been saying it most of the week that when you come and play in Hamilton, uh, you never know what you're going to get with weather conditions and things like that. Um, and, you know, it, when it comes to November, it doesn't really matter where you're playing. If you can get the run game going, uh, you got a great chance to be successful. And so uh, credit to him and our offensive line. You know, they just continued to do what we've been doing well for the last you know, a month and a half to two months, and that's getting him the ball, uh, giving him a crease up the middle, and he's hard to stop. So uh, he had a great game, and, and that was definitely what we needed from him in order to leave this place with a win. You know, like I said, the playoffs are, are a brand-new season, and, and no team wants to lose in the playoffs. So you're going to get every last bit of what everybody has, and, and they're going to get every last bit of what we have too. So, um, you know, it was, certainly was a hard-fought win. Uh, to come in here into Hamilton and win in the playoffs is tough to do, especially coming from the West. Um, but we got the job done, and now it's on to Ottawa. So that that's going to be an even tougher test, and it's going to be one that we need to make sure we have a great week of preparation for it. You know, they're a very good football team. Obviously, uh, we've played two close games against them, one lost uh, in overtime and then another one um, lost uh, by a single score, you know, single digits, whatever it was, uh, trying to drive down at the end to, to get into range for a field so both times we played them, it's been it's been uh, two teams fighting till the very end. Um, but we have not had the success of a victory against them yet this year. So obviously that's something that we're looking forward to trying to change. 
first crack at the Ottawa Red Blacks to get a win for the Eskimos and their last crack for this year will be Sunday in the Eastern Final from Ottawa. A 9.30 pregame, 11 o'clock for the kickoff between the Eskimos and the Red Blacks right here on 6.30, Chad. Still to come tonight on the Eskimos show, uh, Blake Dermott. Uh, we'll hear from Justin Sorensen. We'll also check in with Don Landry of CFL.ca. We're also going to give you a chance to win that great book. Remember the book that Johanny Jucha worked on last year? Uh, she toured the CFL taking pictures. It's a beautiful book. We've got one autographed by the author, Johanny Jutra. Uh, we'll give that away tonight as well. That's all coming up on the rest of the way here on the Eskimo Show. It's a 7-14. We'll take a break. Justin Sorensen's coming up next. This is the Eskimo Show with Morley Scott on Eskimos Radio. 630 Chad. Eskimos are heading to Ottawa. They'll leave Friday after practice. They'll spend Saturday in Ottawa getting set. Then Sunday, it's game time, the Eastern Final. And the winner Sunday goes to the Grey Cup in Toronto the following week. Big win yesterday in Hamilton. 24-21, a last-second field goal by Sean White from just nine yards out. Sealed the deal for the Eskimos as they beat the Hamilton Tiger Cats. A big part of the game, I thought, was the domination of the Eskimos' offensive line. One of the leaders there. There is Justin Sorensen, who joins us now. Justin, thanks for your time tonight. How are you? Oh, not too bad. How about you? I'm very good, thank you. I imagine a player always feels pretty good after a win, and after a big win like you had yesterday in Hamilton, I imagine the feelings are even better than that. Yeah, the, the only thing better than a regular win is a playoff win, right? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Tell, tell me about the game uh, from your perspective. Uh, going into it, a lot of people talked about, like they do every game, it's got to be one in the trenches, and you guys on the offensive line just dominated yesterday. Yeah, I mean, Hamilton poses a very big, uh, very good front six, and so it was a definitely a huge challenge for us, and it was definitely a hard-nosed football game where we got in there and, and smashed, smashed around a whole bunch and got John some yards, and it was a, it was a pretty good outcome, I think. Yeah, you got some John, John some yards, all right. 160 of them. He also ran for two touchdowns. Uh, I know he gets a lot of the credit for those yards, and he's very quick to, to uh, give a lot of credit to you guys for it. Tell me about the gratification you feel on the O-line when you guys are opening up the holes for him and he has a day like that. Oh, if you can rush for over 100, it always feels good in the O-line because, yeah, I mean, John's an outstanding running back, and he definitely makes people miss and stuff, but... I think we all know it. All. It starts up front, and our job is just to give him a hole. If, he, if we can get him a little hole to get through, then he can make things happen. So, I think anytime, anytime you have a running back who rushes for over a hundred, I think that the O line definitely has a big part in that. Uh, it must be a nice feeling as an O lineman to know that uh, after the first block, you got to get up and get downfield. Because with John, sometimes you you can throw him a second block to get more yards. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's the thing about John. I mean, if you can, if you can get him into that second level. He'll make those guys miss. So if you if you can get off your first block and find a second block downfield, sometimes you can even spring them for an even bigger run. How is the wind for you? Oh well, I mean, there's no alignment. The wind doesn't make a difference to us. But uh, <laughs> you're not I mean, blowing it, away, it are you? <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's not affecting my four-yard snap, I'll tell you that. <laughs> uh, what about, uh, obviously, it had an effect uh, on both teams offensively. I mean, it was it was a pretty big win, and, and we saw in the kicks, too, some monster kicks by both kickers in the game. Yeah, I mean, the win definitely affects games like that. To be honest, no lineman likes a windy game because that means they're going to try and run the rock more. And so I, I guess it affected us in that aspect. That, but I think our game plan going in was running the ball a lot as well, so... I mean, it definitely definitely affected you couldn't throw long bombs, or you definitely had to change the outcome of a lot of your kicks. So it definitely made a big impact on the game for sure. 
I think it's basically basically before the bye week uh, for John White. He, he really turned the corner. He's just taken off. He's I think he's got 400-yard uh, games in that stretch, uh, just piling up the big yards. It seems like, uh, I don't know if there was more of a commitment to the run game, but certainly he's getting the ball more and being more productive with it. What, what happened to help that come about? Uh, well, to be honest, I think it's a combination of a lot of things. Um, I know when uh, he got hurt and they let Shakir Bell stay in for a few games, that definitely put a huge chip on the shoulder, as it would anybody. I mean, you hate going down, and then when somebody else comes in and plays well, then you know when you get back in there, you got you got to play well as, well as well, or you might not have a job anymore. So I think that put a huge chip on the shoulder. And plus, he's always been a good running back. And I think maybe in the first half of the season, we weren't as committed to the run as we are now. So I think that, and to be honest, we probably weren't blocking as well at the beginning of the season as we are now. So I think it's a combination of all those things to make it uh, make a huge difference for John in the in the run game. All right, you go from a, a pretty good uh, defensive line with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. In fact, along with the Eskimos, I think one of the best defensive lines in the Canadian Football League. What do you have staring at you this week as you go to Ottawa? What uh, What are your thoughts on the Ottawa D line? Oh uh, well, I mean they're very good too, and they I mean they brought in Cleon Lang now, and it poses another great challenge for us. And uh, they, I know in the run game they do a lot of stunts and. They try and show you a bunch of different looks and throw a bunch at you. So, I mean, every I mean, if you're playing teams in the playoffs, they're good teams and they're going to have good front sixes. So you should go out and get your job done every week. What is it about Ottawa that has given you guys trouble this year? You lost two games, both of them very close, one in overtime and, and then that one in Ottawa that uh, could have gone either way late in the game. What have they done well against you guys and what kind of adjustments do you have to make? Uh, well, I mean, they, they're just they're a very well-rounded football team, especially, I mean, on defense. Uh, I don't think they have any player who necessarily blows your socks off, but they're pretty good at all the positions. So they do a good job of giving you, showing you a lot of things, a lot of fronts, a lot of different looks uh, in, in, in the back end and in the front end. So, I mean, it's just going to be a big big week of film for us, and we really got to get in there and study them and study their tendencies and stuff like that. And, so, and then uh, have a good game plan. If we can come out there with all those things, I think, we got a very good shot, and a uh, very good shot to make it to the Great Cup. This game is kind of the opposite of the game you saw last week against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. You played Hamilton two weeks ago. Everything was fresh with the Ticats. It's been a long time since you played the Red Blacks, and uh, the Eskimos more so, I think, than Ottawa are a much different team now than they were back last time you met. For sure. Uh, I mean, I even met with my line coach today. I said, I'm going to have to watch a bunch of film this week because I didn't play the second time we played Ottawa. So I haven't even seen them since the first game of the season. So it's a, it's a really long time for me. So I know me especially, I'm going to have to get in the film room and watch a whole bunch of film and really get myself caught up to date with them because I haven't seen them in a long time. And to be honest, as of right now, I'm not exactly sure. A lot of stuff, they're, they're, they're big blitzes and stuff. So it'll be a big, it'll be a big uh, book week and a big film week for myself. Take me inside the film. What is it? What is it you're looking for when you watch film? What do you focus on? What is it you're looking for that'll give you an advantage? Uh, well, we break down. We break down all their tendencies, and so which fronts do they run the most? What's their most popular blitzes? What What are their tendencies? If they're running games inside, is there anything that gives it away? Is there? Is, is, if they're in a certain front, what do they run? What game do they run out of this front? So when I see a certain look in the game, I can be. I can be like, hey, hey, alert this stunt, alert this stunt. They might be running this here. So, I mean, that's what the film room is, is just breaking it all down. And uh, our coaches do a very good job of helping us with that and giving us guidelines and sheets to show what they do. And then it just comes down to recognizing it. And and, and as the center, you have to be the guy to recognize that, right, and, and make the call? 
Uh, I make I make I make most of the calls. I mean, I get help I get help from the guards and the tackles as well. But uh, uh, what it comes down to is I have the final word. So I mean, I'll make the call, and then sometimes they'll help me out, and then I, I usually get the final say in what we're going to do. But uh, it's it's a, all over all line does a good job of recognizing things and helping each other out and pointing things out. I mean, it's a very we 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 have a very team orientated all line where everybody helps everybody has input and everybody does their job and and helps things and so it makes that a lot easier for the center because generically the center is the one that makes all the calls. We're talking with Eskimos uh, center Justin Sorensen on the Eskimos show tonight. We talked a bit, Justin, about the defensive line of uh, of the Red Blacks. What about their linebackers? Uh, in particular, Damaso Munoz, who uh, likes to jump in and get involved, and they've added, I think since last time you've seen them, uh, they've, they've added Taylor Reed to that mix as well. Yeah, they're both very good linebackers, and I mean, to be honest, I like when linebackers jump in there and want to get their nose dirty because we're, we're totally okay with that in O-line, especially our line we like smashing and uh, hitting heads with people. So, well, I mean, they're good linebackers, but we're looking forward to the challenge. How's the body feeling? What kind of toll has the the, the airplane rides that, that you've taken in the last little while? Looking at the schedule, you know, you, you went to Winnipeg and came home. You went to Montreal and came home. You went to BC and came home. You went to Hamilton and came home. Went back to Hamilton. Now you're going back east again to Ottawa. How difficult is it to, uh, to take those long trips and play? Uh, it, it is definitely very difficult, but it's what we train ourselves for too. And I mean, I like being on the road. I think it brings the team closer together because when you're spending that much time with these guys, it's different than when you're playing at home and everybody has their own lives. They have families, families and girlfriends and everything else. And so when you're at home, you don't necessarily spend as much time together, but when you're on the road for all these weekends in a row, you really, you really develop a bond and you really get to know your teammates really well. And so I think that's beneficial, but I think there is, there's like I said, from the beginning, I think, the crossover is the reason why it is hard to do is because all of those plane trips way across the country, it does take a toll on your body. But, I mean, look at all major sports. Look at baseball, hockey, basketball. They all travel a ton, and, and, they, and they, they figure out a way to get it done. So I think that maybe it might take a little bit of toll, but it's more mental than anything. Uh, from what I understand, uh, the plan is to go to Ottawa and win and then go straight to Toronto. So uh, that'll be a short trip, and I'm sure a pretty happy one if you can pull it off on uh, Sunday. Justin Sorensen, uh, I appreciate your time today. Thanks very much, and uh, best of luck to you as you study that film and get set for the Red Blacks on Sunday. Thank you so much. Eskimo Center, Justin Sorensen. All right, you've probably seen the book. It's called Our League, Our Country. It's a, a beautiful book all about the CFL, CFL cities, and the people that make this league so great. Jenny uh, Johanny Jutra uh, took the photos all last year. Uh, you've got an opportunity to win an autographed copy of that book right now. Uh, all you have to do is phone us and tell Kellen Kennedy, uh, Kellen Kennedy why John White missed all of last season. What was the injury that forced John White to miss? an entire year last year. Give Kellen a call, let him know. We'll tell you who the winner is after a trip to the 6.30 Ched 24-hour news center. Uh, Don Landry and Blake Dermott coming up in the last half hour of the Eskimo Show. You're listening to the Eskimo Show on Eskimos Radio, 6.30 Ched. 7.33, Don Landry's coming up, as is uh, Blake Dermott. Congratulations to Trevor 
Trevor is the winner of uh, the Johanny Jutra book, uh, Our League, Our Country, because he knew the answer to the question, what was the reason John White missed all of last year? And the reason, of course, was a ruptured Achilles tendon suffered in training camp. Uh, what a great year he's had, 160 yards yesterday in the Eskimos win. Uh, the book by uh, Johanny has become known as the CFL book. Uh, it is a fantastic Christmas present for any CFL fan. Uh, so if you're interested in the, the CFL book, head to the cflbook.ca and get more information. Uh, Cincinnati and the New York Giants are tied at 7 in the second quarter. Monday Night Football. 24-21, the Eskimos beat Hamilton yesterday. Uh, the, uh, the West game was a thriller, too, with the uh, BC Lions defeating the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. With uh, more on that, let's bring in uh, CFL.ca's Don Landry to talk some CFL football. Hey, Don, how are you? How are you? I'm uh, very good, thank you. And uh, it, it was, uh, if you're a CFL fan, man, yesterday was a great day, wasn't it? Those two semifinal games were both nail biters. They were both spectacular to watch. They're both filled with Canadiana, with uh, a rouge here and there, and long field goal attempts and everything. Uh, it's a pretty good day to be on the couch watching football. Had everything you could possibly want, basically, in there, I think. And, uh, you know, the second game, you know, the Lions. And the Bombers, I thought that one was you know, pretty good in the first half. And then it really got cooking as it went along. But I thought that the Hamilton-Edmonton game, even though the Eskimos had jumped out to a, a pretty decent lead there, you could feel the intensity early, couldn't you? I mean, and, and, it, and it just ratcheted up as the first half went along. And then into the second half, there was a lot of sniping, uh, jawing back and forth, extra pushing and shoving and things like that. Odell Willis might have been in the middle of one or two of those things, I think. And uh, for those reasons, uh, both those games were just fantastic to watch. I think the uh, the sniping you talk about, the extracurricular stuff, uh, carries over from two weeks ago. They played in Hamilton October 28th, and that was a very intense game, a very physical game as well, and it was still fresh in their minds. So uh, it was a pretty good carryover, and I think it created, helped create the pretty good atmosphere we saw yesterday. Familiarity breeds contempt um, in many things, but in particular football, there's no doubt about that. And then when you get a guy like Odell Willis on one side, and uh, Dion Lacey's pretty emotional too, and then on the other side you get guys like Simone Lawrence, right? Yep. Who's really going to get in there. And they stir up the batch, and I think it just kind of spins out from from them in concentric circles, and, and, and everyone is awash in it at some point, and, and that's probably what happened in Sunday's game. All right, let's, let's stay with the east side of things and talk about the Eskimos and the Red Blacks before we uh, we talk about the the Lions and the Bombers a little bit, uh, what are your thoughts on on the Eskimos' chances going to Ottawa? They've they've had a terrible schedule down the stretch with a lot of travel, with going back and forth to the East for games to end the regular season. Uh, now they're doing it in the playoffs. What do you think their chances are as they head to Ottawa? Well, I wonder what you, you know. I don't know if they've announced any plans yet. So I imagine they went home after the game. Yep. Right? They were going to stay in the East. Are they going to get out a little early, or are they going to just handle it like it's a normal road game, like we usually see? Get out there a couple they're going to, yeah, they're going to do the same thing they did last week, going to Hamilton. They will uh, fly out after day three on Friday. Uh, so they'll okay. be uh, they'll be in Ottawa Saturday all day Saturday. Get there late Friday night. They did the same thing going to Hamilton as well. And and a lot of people talk about going home after the game yesterday. When you throw in the time change, they were home at 10 o'clock last night so it wasn't all that bad they got to sleep in their own bed they got to have a day off today with their families and uh, they're going into the stadium tomorrow to to do some work and they'll be on the field Wednesday and they get to do that work in the comfort of their own stadium and their own right. facilities and with their own video machines and everything else they do plan on if they win in Ottawa they're going straight to Toronto they're not going to come home uh, they're just going to go to Toronto and set up shop after the game uh, in Ottawa if they win that so that's that that is the only uh, thing they've changed they're going a day early and they're 
uh, they're not coming back if they win. They're going to go straight to Toronto. So uh, it's got to take its toll for sure. Uh, but that's uh, that's what happens when you're the crossover team, right? You got to pay the price for it. Well, that's right. I mean, it does make sense now that you point all of that out. That you know, if 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 they had been at home a lot to close the regular season, maybe they stay and and then go on to Ottawa. But then again, yeah, if you have your eye on the prize and and let's face it, their goal is get to the Grey Cup game in Toronto. You'd be away from home an awfully long time, so probably a smart move for them to get home and, as you say, uh, you know, get into their own beds and the comfort of their own uh, training facilities and things like that. Um, I, I, you know, I think they're favored in this game. I think they should be favored in this game. The Eskimos are, are clearly the better football team than the Ottawa Red Blacks right now. At the beginning of the season, I think that was different. And, uh, you know, Ottawa won that overtime game in Edmonton, and then they squeaked out one at home about midway through the season, too. Uh, But in the last few weeks, the Edmonton Eskimos have been charging, and in every aspect of their game, they have been, I was going to say improving, particularly on defense. They haven't really had to improve on offense, but they have gotten that running game going. And the Red Blacks have been very up and down all season long. So I'm not even quite sure what to expect from them. Yeah, that, and and they they've been off for a couple of weeks too, so you don't know uh, you know what the rust factor is going to be. I know the Eskimos overcame that last year with not only the the bye in the playoffs, but the bye in week twenty, like Calgary faces this year, and that that's something you got to deal with getting the rust knocked off and being being able to play. Weather looks like right now like it's going to be cool and rainy in Ottawa on Sunday. Oh, really? And, uh, with uh, John White playing the way he's been playing, that also I would think that would have to be advantage Eskimos, wouldn't it? Well, I think it would be anyway. On a, it was a clear day in Hamilton. It was windy, of course, but uh, you you could throw the ball. Uh, it was a little difficult into the wind. Um, you, you had to make sure you had a tight spiral, and then when you're throwing with the wind, of course, you have to bring that into account too. Otherwise, you've got a lot of overthrows. But I think whatever the weather, uh, John White, the way he is running, the way the Edmonton Eskimo offensive line is plowing right now um you have to love the balance that this offense has throughout most of the season good half of the season it was mike riley throwing to a darius bowman and Darrell walker and and whatever else you got was great but that was enough to really move this team up and down the field so you throw in the balance of not just a decent running game but of a tremendous running game. I mean, I, I can't remember the last time, can you, Morley, that a team ran the ball more than it threw the ball in a CFL game, and that's precisely what the Eskimos did because it was working. Especially in a game with a quarterback that led the league in passing and the top two receivers in the league. That even makes exactly. that stat more astounding, doesn't it? it yeah. I mean, you, when you think about what Mike Riley has done this season and you think about what he, he could have accomplished had they decided to continue passing. But, I mean, they found out very early on, and, and in the last few weeks, John White has been emerging, 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 uh, that they didn't really need to throw it as much as, as maybe they had. And if you're going to be able to break off chunks of eight yards, which I think that was his average, every rush, why would you go away from that? And the Ticats were unable to stop it, and many times he got more than that. It had just tremendous runs on, especially that second touchdown. So, And, and I think that's very helpful, isn't it, to have a guy like Mike Riley standing behind center to help your run game because you can't really cheat too much, can you? Had they loaded the box and went, okay, let's do everything we can to stop John White, well, then guess what? What they were doing that was as effective against the Darius Bowman all of a sudden wouldn't be as effective. So, again, it's that balance that the Eskimos have on offense right now is a killer. 
Don Landry from uh, CFL.ca joins us on the Eskimo Show tonight. We're going to talk about the BC Winnipeg game in a moment, but first, Don, I want to jump the shark with you a little bit here. Uh, the possibility, and, and you're a Toronto guy, you're the PA announcer for the Toronto Argonauts, uh, the, uh, you know the market very well, the possibility of an Edmonton-Calgary Grey Cup is out there. What effect do you think that would have on the game? I think it's a big selling point. It is, at least for me, maybe that's all I can speak to is, you know, how I personally feel about it. I would love to see it. I mean, look, at whoever's in the game, I enjoy the Grey Cup game. But uh, the novelty of having Calgary versus Edmonton in a Grey Cup game, something we've never seen before, we all know about the great rivalry between those two teams. I mean, it would be an amazing thing. And I, I think it would give the game a little extra something if that were to happen. So personally, I would find uh, there would be extra electricity there, and uh, and I think you'd probably be able to feel that uh, coast to coast when it comes to CFL fans. When it comes to the city of Toronto itself, I don't know. I, I guess we'd have to, to wait and see if uh, if if this matchup does come to pass, Calgary versus Edmonton, if it if it really lights things up as Grey Cup week approaches. I think it would bring it would bring more Westerners to Toronto, so it would probably help the uh, the atmosphere around the Grey Cup festival part uh, as well for sure. Um, uh, let me ask you this. Do you think if it happens and it's a good game and it likely should be, does that jumpstart the conversation of a one-league team? Because everyone always goes east-west, east-west, the traditionalists. But if you get a game with two Western teams and it's a good game and everybody has a good time, does it maybe open the door for that conversation? Yeah, I think it does. I mean, we've been having these conversations on and off over the years, haven't we? And I remember the first Grey Cup, that I ever covered as a reporter was the 1988 Grey Cup, and it was an all-West affair for, for different reasons. You'll remember in 87, the Montreal Alouettes folded, Winnipeg moved east, and then they, they happened to upset the Toronto Argonauts in the 88 Eastern Final, and they went and they played and won the Grey Cup against BC, and I think there was a lot of hand-wringing then. People wondered if that was going to be a good thing, but the game was a dandy. Uh, you know, and since then, I think slowly but surely with Winnipeg, again, bouncing back and forth between the East and West a couple of times, uh, maybe we've conditioned ourselves a little differently where this whole it's got to be East versus West is, is kind of going by the wayside. And, and there are other conversations out there, too, about maybe going to, to one division for all intents and purposes and just having uh, the top six teams get into the playoffs. So I I think so. I think if, if the scenario plays out that it's Calgary versus Edmonton and we get a whale of a ball game, which we probably would, then yeah, I think you'd have even more talk and there'd be a little more weight to these conversations about changing up uh, the status quo. All right. I, I, East versus West has always been tradition. I'm in favor of best versus best, and I think that's that's what you would get if you did one division, but that's a whole other story for, for later on. Uh, Don, tell me about the what you saw in the, uh, in the Winnipeg-BC game. Another thriller. So very close. An, an excellent job by, by both teams to entertain. Jonathan Jennings just, just keeps surprising people, doesn't he? He does, and it, it, this is another game where, I mean, the run game was not as important as it was in the Edmonton game, but it was very important, and they talked about it on the broadcast. Jonathan Jennings throws an interception. He fumbles in the first quarter. and You know, to settle him down, they get their running game going. They hand it to Jeremiah Johnson. They put Chris Rainey in the backfield, and it worked. It settled him down, and Jennings got better into the second quarter, and then in the second half, he was absolutely tremendous. It was like he was dialed in again, and he showed everything that he has shown us off and on over the last couple of years, and that is quick feet, uh, a fearlessness, 
and uh, in a gun of an arm. And that touchdown run of his wasn't it something to behold? I mean, to escape that pocket, to dipsy doodle, to make a guy like Taylor Loeffler, the super rookie at safety for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, mm-hmm. miss him as he got to the goal line, and then to dive in, just a gorgeous, gorgeous touchdown run. He was he was just splendid after that first quarter. Uh, Winnipeg, right now, uh, the city, the fan base, full of second-guessers on Michael Shea's decision at the end of the game. Uh, you're, you got to go third and four. Do you make a play, or do you try a 61-yard field goal? My book, you got a better chance of getting four yards than you do of getting a 61-yard field goal, especially indoors. Absolutely. Absolutely, and at sea level. And people forget about that. When you talk about, say, playing outside and you get a breeze at your back, that's one thing. And then you play with a little bit of altitude in Calgary, and kickers will tell you, yeah, the ball travels a bit better there. It only makes sense that the closer you get to sea level, the harder it is to get distance on a football, particularly inside with no wind at your back. That's a long kick. He'd he'd never hit one from that long. He'd hit a 58-yarder in his career uh, a couple of times, I think. But, um, no, I go on third and four there. I, I think Mike O'Shea realizes he's made, he made a mistake there, too. Uh, he's a little sheepish about it, although he's, he's trying to remain undaunted. And, look, he's a smart guy. He's a really good coach. He did a tremendous job in Winnipeg this year. I think he's going to learn from that. But he, he, people say that cost him the game. We don't know that necessarily. Uh, because they may not have gotten it on third and four. However, I think that was the better play. Don, appreciate your time today. Uh, glad you enjoyed the games yesterday. Look forward to seeing you down the road. Thanks, Morley. Take care. All right, that's uh, Don Landry from uh, CFL.ca. Coming up next, we'll check in with Blake Dermott on the Eskimo Show on 630 Chet. And now, Olympic gold medalist and six-time national champion, Erica Weeb. Don't wrestle with winter driving. Get an all-wheel drive RAV4 in your corner. Over 80% sold in the past 20 years are still on the road today. It'll never tap out. Toyota Safety Sense comes standard, so you can get the safest RAV4 ever made. Lease a 2017 RAV4 for $67 weekly for 64 months with our new stretch lease at Toyotathon. Take down winter at your Prairie Toyota dealership. This is the Eskimo Show with Morley Scott on Eskimos Radio. 630 Chad. We're back on the Eskimo Show. Morley Scott in tonight uh, till uh, 8 o'clock. And uh, after that, uh, we will have uh, Charles Adler tonight, the debut of the show tonight at uh, 8 o'clock here on 6.30. Chad, the Eskimos, of course, getting set to head to uh, Ottawa, where they will play the Ottawa Red Blacks on Sunday. It's a 11 o'clock kickoff, 9.30 for the uh, pregame show here on 6.30. Chad, uh, after the game last night or yesterday afternoon in Ottawa, Eskimos head coach Jason Moss talked about going to Ottawa, a team he's very familiar with. I know they're a resilient team, too, and they're going to be as healthy as they've been all year. Uh, obviously, they got a Hall of Fame quarterback playing but, um, for them. Uh, they got dangerous weapons all over the place on offense. And then defensively, man, they, they, they're they very similar to Hamilton. They put a lot of pressure on you with their front seven, but the difference, I mean, and they play man, which Hamilton did against us, too. So there's going to be a lot of challenges for us um, up front and in the secondary to speak of, and then on defense, the same thing. And then special teams, we 
we've got to keep doing what we do, which is we're, we're a great cover team. We've been shutting people down with that. And then I thought our guys returning the ball did well today. So, you know, and if we we keep the punting well and, and kicking, you know, lights out like Sean's been all year, we'll be all right. All right. Uh, you're heading to Ottawa next week. You came to Hamilton a day early. Is the same process and practice going to be in place next week? Yeah, same, same thing. We'll have the one closed practice, a very similar deal. Um, the difference is we'll give our players an extra day off, so we won't really game plan or do anything till Wednesday, which is different because of the, you know, it's a short turnaround for us. Um, so, you know, that'll be the one major difference. And then, yeah, we'll leave after day three on Friday, get into Ottawa early, and, uh, you know, have a very similar schedule as we had this week here in Hamilton. So that's the plans for the Eskimos. Uh, do just like last week, head out early. So they'll practice, uh, uh, be on the field again on Wednesday for the first time. I would imagine Thursday practice will be closed to the media and uh, the public. Practice again on Friday and then head for Ottawa right after practice. Uh, spend Saturday in Ottawa, probably have some team meetings. Not sure if they'll do a walkthrough or not. They did not do a walkthrough in Hamilton on Saturday this past weekend. Then, of course, it's the Eastern Final with the uh, Ottawa Red Blacks and the Eskimos uh, from TD Place in Ottawa. 11 o'clock kickoff, 9 30 for uh, the pregame show here on 6.30. Chad, we're having some issues getting a hold of Blake Dermott, so we'll uh, we'll just keep going until we do. We're here till the top of the clock uh, here on the Eskimos show. Uh, the Eskimos left Hamilton after the game last night. They arrived uh, at home around 8 o'clock. Sean White was the hero of the game. Uh, he was happy to leave Hamilton with the win, uh, but Sean White was just plain happy to leave Hamilton. I hate this place so much. Uh, I've been I played for Montreal and we always lost here. And uh, this is my first playoff game we've ever we've ever uh, I've ever won here. So, uh, but you know I've been on teams where the, the heads drop, but these guys they get angry and they, they, if anything they play better. And you got we got nothing but leaders in this locker room and especially on defense. And uh, those guys got excited when they got the onside punt. I, I saw JC clapping his hands like you know what this is what we like. This is what this is where we play our best and and you can see it. And uh, those guys rally around each other and it's great to see. That's Sean White. Man, has Sean White just been so spectacular this season? Um, He hasn't missed a field goal since September the 10th. September the 10th in the Labor Day rematch game was the last time he missed a field goal. Uh, he's been money ever since and uh, he said the nine yard kick wasn't a tough one uh, but you got to get the ball up. You got to get the trajectory up on that football kicking from uh, from just nine yards out and he did that and it was all the Eskimos needed in a 24-21 win over the uh, Hamilton Tiger Cats. Uh, the, uh, the star of the show was John White 160 yards on the ground and uh, he also had of course, two touchdowns on the ground as well to lead the Eskimos. Man, John White's just been so good uh, since getting back into the lineup. And we heard Justin Sorensen say earlier in the show that uh, he saw Shakir Bell play, and he said he came back with a bit of a chip on his shoulder, and he took over the job and didn't allow Jason Moss to even think about making a change because John White, because uh, uh, Shakir Bell uh, was, was very solid when he played, but John White just came back in and was just so good that there was just no possible way that the Eskimos would make a change at that running back position, although they did get both of them into the lineup in the game yesterday in Hamilton. Uh, they didn't get them on the field at the same time a lot, but they got them out there a couple of times, and you know that got the Ticats thinking. And you know Mark Nelson, the defensive coordinator of the uh, of the Ottawa Red Blacks, is thinking, what can they do now? They have a week of practice maybe to put something in. 
to work something out that will be a uh, uh, a game breaker for them. So I'm sure he's worried about that as well and is uh, is taking notes on when the Eskimos put in both those running backs. Uh, the game goes on Sunday. The Western Final is in Calgary. Hey, Calgary's still in the league? I don't remember. They haven't played for so long. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks. Like the Eskimos last year, Stampeders had week 20 off. Then they had last uh, week off because they had the bye because they finished first in the CFL West. And now they are uh, coming back to play the BC Lions in that game on Sunday. you got to wonder how the, the Stampeders will play, but more importantly, how Bo Levi Mitchell will play. He did not start in the Stampeders' final game. And that's a little different from what the Eskimos went through last year. They had to play and they had to win right down the stretch to get first place in the West because the Stamps were winning two last year. So Riley played and played hard. Uh, Bo Levi Mitchell hasn't played a lot of important games since, well, since Labor Day, really. When you think about it, those two games, that's pretty much when they wrapped up first place, not mathematically, but wrapped it up. Uh, then he got the last week of the season off. Then he got a bye week. Then he got another bye week. And now he's going to play this week. So we'll see how it turns out. More importantly, how will it turn out for the Eskimos? We'll find out if Mike Riley's healthy enough to play or not, probably on Wednesday when they go back to practice. I think he's going to be good to go. Certainly hope so because uh, he is so important to that Eskimos offense, although James Franklin uh, came in and has done pretty well in his time. That's it for the Eskimo show tonight. Don't forget the Eastern Final from Ottawa, the Eskimos and the Red Blacks. Sunday morning, 11 o'clock kickoff, 9.30 for the pregame show with myself and Dave Campbell. That's it for the Eskimo show. Thanks for listening, everybody. It'll be up online soon if you missed any of it, and you can uh, re-listen to it at that point. Have a great night, everybody. 